We spend a lifetime looking for treasures. But I can tell you after all this that the real treasures are the friends we make along the way. Welcome to JMPS. You're here today because you want to learn. You want to be inspired and you want to feel empowered. What better way to do so than getting first-hand insights from professionals who once sat in your seats and stood in your shoes? Today's guest is an individual who completed his undergrad in accounting from Concordia University and later got a CPA designation from the University of Illinois. He began his career at a reputable accounting firm in 1984 and later was a senior audit manager at Raymond Chabot. Later in his career, he worked in the financial service industry and made his way through the ranks, holding numerous senior positions as a commercial banking leader to corporate banking director for the National Bank of Canada. In his current position, he's the vice chairman of RBC Wealth Management, and despite his very busy schedule, he takes the time to generously give back to society. He sits on several boards, including, but not limited to, the Montreal Jewish General Hospital, the Board of Governors for Concordia University, and the Foundation Communita Canadien Italien. That's not all. Over the course of his career, he has won over 22 different honors and awards. Some of these include the Lieutenant Governor's Gold Medal, Leonardo da Vinci Award, and the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm absolutely honored and grateful to present to you, Mr. Tony Lufaida. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I guess you're giving away my age with all those uh, awards and all that experience. <laughs> no, right? no, 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 not so, at all. Uh, a pleasure to be here. Thank pleasure you so much. So I'm curious to know, you, when you were a Concordia undergraduate student, were you always this straight-A student or were you the type of student who really had to put in a lot of work and get okay grades? I had to put in a lot of work and get okay grades. I wasn't a straight-A student. I did get one A or two A's, but it was a lot of hard work. And I loved the social aspect, the social life. Mm -hmm. um, but when it was time to study and work hard, we worked hard and we studied. And... Uh, it was, uh, you have to have fun while you're doing it. I think that's what's key. I, if I were to use one word to wrap up that question, it would be passion. passion. You have to be passionate about learning, passionate about meeting great people, making great friends, and uh, which I always say, we spend a lifetime looking for treasures. But I can tell you after all this, that the real treasures are the friends we make along the way. And, um, and uh, that's a nice quote I heard at the JMUC, the John Molson undergraduate case competition last year, and I must have used it 12 times during wow. the year, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a nice quote to wow. share. I love that. So afterwards, you actually did your CPA from the University of Illinois, as I had alluded to before. Yes. Why did you go so far? Well, we, you know, it was in the era of free trade. There was a lot of talk about free trade coming in. Now we hear a lot about free trade, and President Trump wanted to renew free trade and not renew it. It was a bad deal for the U.S. and what have you. We heard a lot about it. But I was in an era in the uh, late 80s and early 90s or mid-80s where there was a lot of talk about we're going to have free trade. So the Canadian entrepreneurs, the Canadian business market was going to have access to 250 million people all of a sudden, or 300 million people all of a sudden, and more, the US and Mexico and what have you. So it was a great, great opportunity to, uh, my dream, I'll, I'll tell you, my dream was to go on Wall Street mm -hmm. and become a banker on Wall Street and uh, get my accounting degree and, and do it there. But 
I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, best thing I ever did, and I never could have pulled her out in Montreal, even though the mm -hmm. bank asked me numerous times to, to be in Toronto. But I, I was never to, able to, to bring her away from Montreal. Her friends, her family is here, and uh, she enjoys the city, she loves the city. So when you're in love, you're in love. And uh, that never went uh, anywhere but, but, uh, but uh, Montreal. A lot of travels as a, as a waste chairman too, a lot of travels. Last year I had 200 flying hours all over the world. In one trip I went to China, then to California the other way, and then back to Montreal, 38 flying hours on one trip, toured the world. But I've always lived in Montreal. Love the city. It's a lot of work. Great institutions, yeah. such as Concordia, and uh, great universities, great hospitals. And uh, like the many boards you uh, mentioned, I uh, sit on. Yeah, it's a great place. So after you actually graduated from, uh, when you did your CPA from Illinois, you actually worked as an auditor at uh, an audit firm called Zitter, Siblin, Stein, Levine. Yes, that was before uh, Raymond Shabbat. Zitter, okay. Siblin, Stein, Levine. Yeah. Uh, started there. Zitter, Siblin, Stein, Levine finally was merged with Ernst & Young. Okay. And um, so it was, uh, it was a great firm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Concordia at the time, the firms used to recruit on campus. And uh, I managed to get a little bit of experience. There was one course, and uh, I'll talk about that because it's important to the students. There was one course, it was accounting 325 at the time, the consolidation accounting, which to get your, go into the CPA program, you have to take that course. So I took it in the summer of 84. So by taking it in the summer of 84, I ended up graduating in 85, in June 85, because you couldn't graduate we went June to June, maybe it's changed today, but at the time it was June to June. So by graduating in 85, I had to get another job because when the firms came on campus in 84, I had no interviews. Hmm. I was a good student, but I wasn't, there was a lot of students that had yeah. higher marks than I did and uh, had no interviews in 84. But then I went and get six months experience working as an assistant controller, as an accountant. And I reapplied when they came on campus in 85. I was allowed to reapply because I had that course in the summer. And uh, I had like 23 offers that you were after. So that little bit of experience made a huge difference. And I know you have the co-op program here at Concordia. Yeah. And what I encourage the students to do is get a little bit of experience. So the employers that come on campus or want to recruit see that you have experience, experience. which is wonderful. Yeah. That's what helped me get that first job at Zitra Siblenstein Levine. Yeah. And then from there, get the other job at uh, Raymond Shabbat, who was auditing all the big uh, banks at the time. The National Bank being one of them. I was the auditor of the National Bank and uh, the Steinbergs at the time and uh, BBC. Yeah. We did a lot of the big audits, mm -hmm. the large audits. And uh, that, was, uh, that was a different experience. So, I mean, you were a senior audit manager at uh, Raymond Chabot. At Raymond Chabot. Yeah, then yes. you kind of made that leap into the banking industry. Yes. You didn't yes. like audit. Something uh, particular? No, no, no. Uh, you know, you, you, you tend to like what you're doing. I'm a positive person. And I could convince myself that I liked what I'm doing. I did convince myself I liked auditing. And I felt really valued. It's a, it's a great profession, auditing. I was auditing financial statements for bankers. Bankers were relying on these statements to do loans. But after six years, you need a network to become a partner. So what happened is, I said, the only thing I didn't know how to do, because I was technically strong by then, six years of working we worked long hours in those days. I don't know about today in the audit firms, but we worked long hours and they were very a lot of fun. I still keep in touch with a lot of the friends I made along the way uh, in auditing too. But after six years, you become a partner or not a partner? And I said to myself, 
the only thing I wasn't strong at was sales. Mm. I said, if I go into banking, I'll become strong, even in sales. And uh, so what happened, we uh, got into banking and I said, I'll develop a network, learn how to sell, and come back as a partner. And I'll be a mega hit as a partner because I'll know how to sell, I'll have all the clients that I met in the banking world. And have all that knowledge from All that knowledge from the other side of the fence, from, from the banking side, where as an accountant or as an auditor, you're dealing always with the banks. Now I'd have the knowledge from the other fence, the other side of the fence, how do they think? But you know what? I fell in love with banking and I fell in love with what I was doing. And um, I never went back till this day. I think it's too late now, but, but, uh, but, but I fell in love with banking. And, and not that I didn't, I, I, I was in love with auditing too. But at one point, you know, uh, opportunities came. Opportunities came, and uh, one year went to the next, and we always kept working harder and harder, and one year to the next, to the next, to the next. And uh, before you know it, if, since 1990, I've been in the banking world. Uh, since May 1990, it's been uh, how many years? It's been, it's been a, a, a huge ride, mm. you know? It's been, uh, it's been almost 30 years in banking, right? Wow. And not only that, but also uh, over the years, you've won countless awards. And uh, I'm really curious to know, what were some of the traits or qualities do you think that you had that, you know, made you so successful winning awards after awards you know, year after year? I'll say one thing. Success is not only the accumulation of wealth. Success is also based on the power and the strength of the relationships you build along the way. It's about people. You, uh, you know, I've never been to a eulogy where, remember said, was it where somebody says, oh, this was a great man. He died with $10 million in the bank. Or, oh, yes, he was great. He had more money than anybody else. Have you ever heard that? Never. Never. It's always what you can do. It's not about yourself. It's about what you can do. There's a nice quote that says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So you, it's about everybody else. Yeah. It's about everybody else. So you have to help everybody else. And I remember those first, how we got into it. My first one was the CEO of the National Bank at the time had a bypass, heart surgery. And he mentioned to me, I was managing director of North American Corporate Banking. And he, he put me on this campaign to raise money for the Heart Institute. And we ended up doing a ball. I had $1,000 a ticket in 1997. Now, 1997, how many years ago was that? That's a long time ago, right? And over 20 years ago, and you did a ball at $1,000 a ticket, the equivalent of maybe $5,000 a ticket today, if not more. And I remember everybody I asked, clients, friends, nobody said no. Somebody said, I can give you a $500 donation. Somebody said, I'll buy one ticket. Somebody said, I'll buy two. Somebody said, I'll buy a table. But everybody participated. And in 2004 and 2005, they made me president of the Heart Ball, mm. which today it's called Bal des Vincars for the Heart Institute. And I had never gotten such a great feeling, such a high, if we want to say that, uh, of, of helping people, going out there and, 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 and you know, really having, having made a difference. Uh, and the Heart Institute is one of the greatest institutions in the world today on the Heart Institute where at that and, and it's because of the people that volunteer, the people that contribute, the donors. And I remember that evening, I, I, it was, I love people. That's what it is. I love people. I remember the evening when I, was so, I had sold half the, the hall and just shaking everybody's hand, exchanging a word with people and just, and now when you're successful, people call upon you to do something else and something else and something else. 
And like they say, if you want something done well, give it to a busy person. Yeah. And if you're not busy, you're never called on. But if you are busy, people call you because they know what you can deliver, what you can do. And still to this day, by noon, every day, I've received three phone calls for either a donation, to chair an event, uh, to preside a committee. Every day, there's not one day, except maybe Sundays and Saturdays, I must say the weekends. But every day, every weekday, by noon, I've received three requests. At this point, you can't do them all. It's, you know, philanthropy is fun. People don't know that because they don't get involved. But once you get involved, you develop networks, you develop friends, you develop a social, a social network that, that, that takes you to another level. And when you give, you get, in a sense that, you know, you, you, you get the acknowledgement, you get the, uh, the value added that you feel when you go to bed at night, you feel great and say, hey, I made a difference today in, in one case or another cause or another cause. And not just, not just handing out money. I was at a commercial for RBC here in the province for 12 years. It's not just about making loans. It's about building businesses. It's about building dreams. It's about purpose. One word, purpose. Purpose is the word. Purpose is the word that keeps you motivated and keeps you going. What is the purpose you wake up in the morning? Yeah. Not just to make money. What's the purpose? Help a business. Help a business succeed. Help a businessman succeed. That's what's important. And then help a cause. That's super, super important. And uh, I hope to be amongst one of those to be like, I was able to inspire and empower people along the way. It's all about inspiring. It's all about inspiring and motivating people. And uh, it's not just about accumulation of wealth, but it's yeah. based on the power and strength of the relationships with people that you've built along the way. Yeah. That's so true. And for the last question, it's quick. Um, what's one piece of advice that you wish somebody would have told you you know, we all look back, and if I were to do it all over again, I would do it exactly the same way. Exactly the same way. Doesn't mean that it was perfect, no. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't have the package when I was young that I have today. I'm much wiser today. But if I would have, if I would have been perfect, if I would have taken all this wisdom, and I'm not perfect today, far from it, I still make mistakes, I still learn every day. And, and we have to keep learning. If you don't grow, you die. You have to keep learning. And um, may it be in a corporation, may it be in the business world, you have to keep growing. And, but if I were to take back all this wisdom today, and there's a lot of mistakes I wouldn't have made along the way. Well, if I wouldn't have made those mistakes along the way, I wouldn't be the person I am today. You know, So I am the person I am today because of the mistakes I made and the learnings and the lessons. And so it's part of life. You have, to, you have to learn, you have to live, you have to make those mistakes. But uh, I'd say, you know, to wrap it up, Lewis Terman did a great thesis that lasted 40 years in 1921. 40 years is a long time for a thesis. He took the top marks, top students in the American universities in 1921, followed them for 40 years, wanted to know how many of them would succeed in every aspect, important aspect of their lives. May it be career, relationships, health, financial health, psychological health, physical health, um, everything from, from, from the, the key elements, the five, six key elements I mentioned and more. You know how many succeeded in all those elements of their life to, to an elite level? Less than 1% of the top students. Then he did the opposite. He, did, he took those that did succeed at the elite levels in those elements that were extremely important in life. Relationships, health, career, 
family, uh, the whole bit. And he says, what did they do that the others didn't do? Or what did they have that the others didn't have? One was confidence. You need confidence to succeed. You can't do it without confidence. Two, you need ambition. You have to be ambitious. And three, most of all, like I said, I failed many times too in the past. You need perseverance. So whenever you fall down, you got to get up and keep going. And, you, and, and, and sometimes you got to push yourself to keep going. And you got to say, I've, I've got to keep going. I've got to make something happen. And I can tell you, you know, either you fail an exam or either you, you, you have a health issue or either a friend is, is very sick or either your career at one point, you know, is not going where you want it to go, where you've got to get up and you've got to keep going. Perseverance is the most important. So what would I do different? What advice can I give? You know, is sometimes I've shot away from taking uh, difficult decisions, making that difficult phone call. And then once you make it, you say, wow, this went well. I should have did this three days ago. Or this decision, may it be with an employee that doesn't fit in or an employee that's not working hard and you give him a chance and a second chance and a third chance. And then you realize when you're not doing him a favor, you know, maybe he doesn't have the passion for what he's doing. He should do something he's more passionate about. And then you realize, you say, wow, we should have sat down and discussed this with the employee a few months ago, a few years ago. Hopefully, sometimes it's not years, it's months. But so it's making that Tough decision. I would have made them a lot earlier uh, mm. in life. And um, what else? Uh, you know, it's it's building relationships. I've avoided confrontation when I can, even though I've spent a lifetime lending money and discussing files with credit. But avoid confrontation. You can't win an argument. You just make an enemy. State facts. Don't make it personal. Uh, if somebody's late, say, listen, our meeting was at noon and it's now 12 or 5, the client won't appreciate that. Rather than saying you're always late and what's wrong with you and you're not reliable, you get where I'm going? Yeah. And that's where you build trust. Trust is the currency of every relationship. You build trust, you build confidence going forward, and you make friends. And people will always have a good thing to say about you going forward. And at the end of the day, you do your best. You can't do more than that. That's it. That's super powerful. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and good luck and best wishes. Thank and, you. Uh, hopefully you know, you all succeed. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of GMPS. Be sure to stay tuned for so much more to come.